Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Yeah, we just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. Boom! It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming at you. We got Aaron Webb coming in from an early season of success in Tennessee. Um, We break down a lot of strategies on how he's successful on this buck. Some things he keyed in on this property that uh, a lot of people might have overlooked. Um, you know, rain being one of them. I thought that was super cool. Had I was saying, in on the rain. Good thing he did it because we have no idea yeah. how to hunt that early. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> idea. But um, he's using cell cams a lot, utilizing them. Um, we started a really solid uh, friendship with Aaron. Um, I'm excited to follow out his season. Um, looked like he had a ball fun in Kentucky. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to get right into the people that make this possible and get into the show. Start out with a VIP veteran broadhead. Um, let's get real close to season, guys. If you guys, I've seen on social, a lot of people are switching this late in the game. Mm-hmm. So there's time still. Um, 
a lot of people were shooting other heads and then falling into someone that's shooting the VIP and shooting it, and they're like, oh, I'm switching right now. Um, just a quick thing, out of the package, field point accuracy, been tested out of high-speed air rifles uh, at 100 yards. Uh, these things will not deploy like other mechanicals may, and they're going to shoot accurate uh, just like a field tip. We're going to get into the VIP veteran broadhead shout-out. This week's shout-out is our guest, Aaron Webb. Uh, he was in the Army from 1993 to 2016, deployed five times, uh, a few of them being to Iraq, Kuwait, and Afghanistan. Um, he did a lot while he was in and serving his country, and he now works as an executive executive leadership team for Veteran Administrative Hospital as an executive assistant. So uh, a lot of big words right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's serving the country and then helping veterans when he gets out. So there's not much better you could do to to continue to serve this country than to help out veterans. So Absolutely. We appreciate you coming on the show, Aaron, and we also appreciate your service from everybody at White Tail Legacy, uh, everybody at VIP, and the uh, VIP family. All right, let's get an Ingram's Outdoor Accession, all your taxidermy needs. Um, if you are if you guys are in the local area and shoot a buck or a turkey this fall, he just got done with his birds, um, and I seen a turkey that he mounted at the archery shoot, and it looked yep. pretty dope. It um, did. I seen him putting pig hair on turkey heads. Guys just going right from deer with the detail of the deer and going straight into turkey, taking his time and making that mount, uh, you know, the once-in-a-lifetime mount that it should be, so... All your taxidermy needs, check out Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. Scentlock, um, the the B1 series is out. It's out in retailers, and it's also online. Um, that's something that me and homie bought two suits. got two suits apiece, yep. so we won't be getting the B1 series. Maybe next year I will be. Um, if you're looking for a new um, whitetail-specific uh, camo, check out the B1 series. The B1 late season is really nice. Um, if I win the lotto, or run into some money, I might buy the B one series late season. <laughs> I would say it's just their stuff so good. Like you don't, we don't have to get stuff. No, every you ain't got to get stuff every like, year. Because I got year, two, I got two, two brand new suits last year. Yeah, you know, and the stuff's it's such high quality, zipper quality, and, and it's not. It's gonna last you multiple right. seasons, so you don't have to worry about getting the new stuff. No but matter the, the amount of sticker bushes on the lease, because yeah. I mean it, that the amount of that number is just it's way insane. Up um ecw calls all your custom call needs uh check out the new shop in roseville if you're in the local area a lot of stuff coming out with jeff i heard that he just got some special honors that will be coming out soon for him so that's pretty cool he's getting a lot of attention right now um he's uh, got the patent for the double-sided and triple-sided turkey calls on the market gander mountain and uh what was shields it? shields so uh check them out uh shout i'm gonna do a quick shout out to next level too we haven't let them know yet they're not a sponsor of the show but they are in <laughs> shields now i think oh, we should, okay. should throw that out there um they're in shields you can get their mineral there i know a lot of people have messaged us about next level feeds uh, and you can get your shields and your corn <laughs> for next level right there um uh, make sure and get a bag of mineral and then get a bag of corn for a backup. Just all for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that all? That's it. Right. That is all the partners. We are going to get into the bow hunting league update. Uh, like I said, on the first one of these, I'm doing these, uh, kind of a post edit and it's been kind of quieter than the main content. I just got a mic hooked straight into the laptop. So I'm going to try to boost this a little bit, try to talk maybe a little bit louder and, uh, get into this. I've been having an ass load of fun in the forum, um, on the Facebook group, 
I don't know about you guys, but I am. Um, Team Doe Patrol was on there, and they doubled up on bucks over this past weekend. And I'm like, you guys are supposed to be patrolling does, not hammering a couple stud bucks. So um, we'll get into some of the kills, and then uh, we'll update the team standings. Uh, First kill is uh, Nick Wright from Team in the Moment. Shot a 176-inch buck out of Kentucky. I think Ben called this one. I think he said somebody was going to shoot a top 10 buck for the season this past weekend. And I believe that one was it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll stick in the top 10 or not, but it's, it's definitely up there. Um, this deer had four brows on one side, uh, a, a drop on the same side off the main beam. His abnormal points for that side were five, two and a half, six and three quarter, three and three quarter, and two inches. So definitely a lot of character on that buck, and it was a stud for sure. Uh, Matt Coleman from Team uh, Tyne 80X out of Kentucky. Uh, Butte of a 10. Uh, apparently I forgot to write the score down on that one. I think it was a uh, 157. Uh, Bobby Hurst, uh, Team Doe Patrol, as I had mentioned, uh, 146 and 3 eighths. And then his teammate, Logan Beach, shot a 133 out of Kentucky, both of them. So they uh, jumped right up the rankings there. Uh, Matt Jennings again, guys, uh, 142 and 2 eighths out of Kentucky. He killed a 134-inch uh, buck in Tennessee in the early velvet season. And I also did some looking around the league for him there. He's also killed a black bear this year, so that guy's on fire. Um, his team, Regulators, is up top the standings at 330 inches and 3 quarter Team Doe Patrol sliding right in there, 279 and an eighth. So you're looking at 50 inches separating one and two right now. Antler Addicts is in third with 278 and three quarters. So uh, just over five eighths separating them right there. Carolina Reapers is in fourth with 265 and an eighth. And in this moment with the 176 from Nick rounding out the top five. That is all of them. That is everything we're going to cover. All right, let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got Aaron Webb on the phone, and he already has a buck down. Um, you know, I can't. I don't even know. I can't even think about what getting a buck down already would feel like. And um, you know, you're the first one to get a buck down and entered into the bow hunting league. And Ben messaged me and was like, "Hey, man, you you should talk to this guy." So I was like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, full velvet buck, gotta get on it." Um, so, welcome to the the podcast, Aaron. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, so, you got a full-on velvet buck down in the Tennessee early velvet season. Um, I want to hear your opinion on the early velvet season um, as being a uh, homebody there to Tennessee. So, you know, from my background, I've lived quite a diff- few different places, and um Kentucky always had an early velvet and I was always curious of why other states didn't do it. And, uh, last year, of course, Tennessee passed the early velvet season. Um, the same weekend, I think last year it might've been similar weekends, but I think it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And then this year it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Mm -hmm. but I'm a very big proponent for it. I mean, um, as a, as a hunter that likes to taste, you know, mature deer, 
there's nothing like being able to get after them when they're in their summer feeding patterns they're still backward up and then having the opportunity you know to even harvest one and bell it i think it's one of those you know once in a lifetime ordeals that you got to take advantage of if the state allows it so big proponent of it yeah you know cody and i like like we always say on on our show you know if we had that opportunity we would even you know even as start as early as kentucky you know not necessarily this early velvet season but you know it seems like we can find the bucks early season in the summer get on the feed pattern um we got a pretty good idea of where they're bedding so you know we kind of cut them off there but then it's like when they lose that velvet just you know something else clicks that we just can't catch up to and we, you know we know the acorns are falling at the same time the bean fields are turning so there's a lot going on in a short period of time and you know they're shutting the velvet bachelor groups are breaking up just a lot going on and you know we just can't seem to really catch up with one super early because our season opens october 1st and it's just hard to catch up with one at that time i think and it, i think it's just natural yeah right i agree with you it's you know a velvet buck is like something that everybody oh. wants you know what i mean so it is kind of like a once in a lifetime hunt if you're able to do it me and homie were already talking about how we could make it to <laughs> down there next mm-hmm. year you know trying to make a game plan because it's one of those things that, like, you hope it stays, but you know how states kind of get goofy sometimes, you know what I mean? Right. I feel like you need to jump on it now, you know, in case it, it happens. That's, a, you know, happens to not be there next year, and that's exactly what you did, and you killed a stud. So, And it's, like, just like homie said, to literally be sitting there and be like, <laughs> yeah, I got a buck down already. I'm like, bro, I haven't even drawn my bow back on anything yet. You know what I mean? I haven't killed a doe. I haven't... I haven't seen a deer out of a tree stand, and you got a deer on the ground that's a stud. So props to you. Um, and how how was the weather down there for for the velvet hunt? So it was actually it was. Well, I'll backtrack a little bit. So the place I hunt, um, we'll talk about the weather here in a second. The bucks that are in this little small block of timber that I hunt, for some reason, they like the rain, right? Um, they like to be in this one place. I get them on my cell camera and I, I've never heard anybody say this before that they like deer, you know, the deer come in the rain and they want it to rain. But I was actually kind of praying for a little bit of rain um, because they like to use this particular piece of property I had. It seemed like any time it rained, they would be in there. So we actually had rain, you know, going into opening day and most people would be like, man, I don't want to go hunt in the rain. Right. So that morning, um, well, leading up that night into that morning, it was raining all night long. And then I actually had a gap right at, right about, I guess, about 20 minutes before it got daylight until about an hour and a half to two hours after um, shooting light, there was a gap in the rain. So the weather was actually pretty awesome for me. Now, it was hot. I want to say it was uh, mid-80s, but as... Um, but the weather was kind of rainy and nasty that morning. And so you killed it the first morning? Yeah, dude. First deer. Down. Yeah, so I killed it. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I killed And it's pretty wild because uh, the backstory on this is like last year I had these bucks in there. I had the same buck. Um, and there was probably – I picked this piece of property up when I retired from the Army. I moved home and I was – I didn't have any places to hunt um, before I went in, you know, 20 some years ago, the only places that had deer up here in Northeast Tennessee was up in the mountains on like wildlife management area. And it was like, 
I mean, I'm going to tell you, I struggled as a, you know, youngster growing up because I loved to hunt and I loved deer, but there wasn't deer here. So if I saw, it didn't matter if it was a fawn or like a yearling, I thought like I saw like the biggest buck ever, you know, growing up. Yeah. Because, I mean, there was nothing here and we'd have to drive, you know, 45 minutes to an hour just to get up in the mountains to hunt, you know, moving back. You know, my buddies would tell me that we're still here, you know, that I went to high school with or hunted with or whatever. They're like, man, we're starting to get some deer, you know, around the house. And I grew up on a dairy farm and and I could show you guys pictures and you'd be like, man, there's got to be deer and turkey all over it. But there was nothing. I mean, I've walked every inch of everybody's property, you know, growing up because you just did that. You know, when I was growing up, you could pick up a gun like your shotgun after work, you know, after school, get off the bus or whatever and do your chores. And I could walk through anybody's fields and nobody said anything, you know, nowadays I'd probably have the police call child <laughs> protective services, you know, you name it, but, you know, so but coming home, you know, I didn't know where the animals were at. Right. So I started asking for a lot of permission to hunt. And then it, it's hard to find places to hunt down here, you know, um, especially where big deer are at because, like I said, when I grew up, there was no deer, so everybody shot everything. And that mentality still kind of goes on at times, you know, um, with people who don't get a hunt month. So if they see a deer, I'm happy for them. You know, they kill it as long as it's legal. I, I'm, I'm extremely happy for them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in order to be able to – and people want to compare it with, you know, because they see stuff on TV and social media, whatever, to, to states that have like a one-buck, you know, harvest. You know, and it's hard to compare states when, you know, you have bucks that only have one buck harvest and stuff like that and the amount of deer that get to make it another year or two. Right. So, um, you know, growing up here, it was hard and moving back, you know, trying to get, you know, permission. It's really hard for me, too. And I'm still I still struggle with getting places to hunt because I don't know if you the way you guys see it, but it takes me a couple of years usually like to figure a place out. Um, you're lucky if you go into a farm the first year and, you know, you're very successful on, on a mature deer. Oh yeah. I agree yeah. on that one. hundred percent. We say that all the time. Yeah. It takes a couple of years of hunting somewhere to figure out how the deer just use the, <clears throat> use the area. And we're huge on hanging a cam in one spot and leaving it, you know, right. there's nothing here in October. Don't move it. If you think it might be good in November, you know, <clears throat> But yeah, so, so, you know, we were talking about the weather and stuff and getting the, the buck down the, the first, um, you know, hour or whatever. But so that weekend I was, I was trying to get to, I didn't get a hunt last year because my daughter ha plays high school soccer hmm. and they had a soccer tournament down in Pigeon Forge. And I'm like, crap. And I had, you know, my wife had to work that weekend. So, you know, dad's down there the whole weekend, you know, watching and I knew I had these bucks, you know what I'm saying, like last year and couldn't do anything with them. So, you know, being the good dad, you know, I go to soccer tournament and just I'm like, well, maybe next year I'll be able to hunt. Well, this year, kind of the same ordeal happened to me. My daughter's in the same soccer tournament, right? <laughs> oh, savage. <laughs> Props I'm to like, you, man. You got to do the dad stuff. Like, We're wow. dads too. So, you know, so I was looking at it and, um, for, I think last year, and I could be wrong, um, I'll have to look at it, but I think last year the hunt might have been Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and this year it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
So I looked at her schedule and I'm like, well, she didn't have to be at the soccer game, her first game down there until five, right? So it's like an hour and a half drive. Um, and typically I don't hunt at all in the mornings, early season. I usually don't hunt mornings until like near the end of October when I think the bugs are starting to get on their feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason in this particular spot I'm hunting, those deer are in their morning deer and we don't have crops um like you do there in west central illinois and you know western kentucky and other places um you know farmers grow some corn here and whatnot and you'll see some some uh you know beans but you don't it's rolling hills and mountains right so the more majority of the crops here it's you know hay fields people are growing you know hay for their cattle um you don't really see a ton of crop so these deer that i'm actually hunting they're i call them big woods deer you know they're it's large blocks of timber and every once in a while you'll have intermittent fields but i don't have any fields or anything on this actual piece of property so i was catching these deer on my camera like you said you'd put a camera out and just let it set well we were talking earlier about having you know a bunch of land i think it's okay to have a bunch of land but because some farms you might be able to hunt one year and the next year you just can't hunt them mm-hmm. because there's nothing there. I mean, it's hard to hunt something when it's not there. Right. You know, a lot of people right. want to yeah. shoot a Pope and young buck or a booner or whatever, but I mean, you can't hunt a booner if a booner's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, if your biggest deer is 130 inches, you know, you better kill it unless you're going to let it go the next year. So on this particular farm or I say farm, it's a, just a block of timber, right? Um, the guy, actually, I'd asked the guy to hunt his farm, and he told me no. And uh, he said him and his sister owned it, and she didn't let anybody hunt. But he said, I have a block of timber by myself that if you want to go over there and do whatever, you can do whatever. So he gave me written permission to hunt it. And I was actually looking for turkey hunting property at the time. And I put some cameras in there, run it the first year, had like some little bitty bucks. I'm talking like little bitty, like six pointers, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, year and a half old deer, right? Didn't even hunt it that year. And then the second year, I just kept my cameras in there just on a mineral lake just to see what would happen. I started getting bucks um, and good bucks, shooter bucks, and I couldn't hunt them last year. So this year I kept my cameras in there. And what I did last year is I, I figured these deer out, they were, so when I finally found some decent deer on it, I'd move, I had two different cameras on there. I'd scoured it pretty hard in the wintertime, and I, I thought I found out how they were kind of moving through, and I put in, I had two cameras up in there that I could sneak into and check them, and I found these deer, and um, when I finally found them, I, they were on oaks is what they were. And when I went in, I thought I could hunt it last year, so I hung a stand and had to cut some stuff out. Well, when I did that, I lost the deer for like a month. Like, these deer are so finicky. If you step in the woods at this block of property, I don't care how scent-free you are after the first time, you might not see a deer on camera for like two weeks. Um, So what I did is after the season was over with this last fall, I actually hunted it two or three times um, last fall but could never catch up to one of the bucks. So I kind of left it alone because I, I had some other properties I thought were would give me a better chance to kill on. And um, so this year or this last fall, I, I found a spot where there was a bunch of white oaks and red oaks kind of together. And it was near where I had 
established a mineral lake before. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put a mineral lake in there and a camera and just leave it. So the deer are going to be in there. You know, I'm hoping, you know, spring and summer hitting the minerals. And then as the acorns start dropping, they're used to being in here. They'll pick up these first acorns and just stay here, right? And I don't have to move on them. So I ended up putting that stand up and uh, I was getting those bucks there like every morning. You know, every morning they're in there. Um, so I went in there and readjusted my stand about a month ago, right? Um, because I thought I was going to have a cameraman with me. I had two stands mm-hmm. and I wanted to move one of the stands up higher. Well, when I did that, I, I'm, you know, crap you not, those deer disappeared. Me being in there for not less than like, 15 minutes i didn't cut any limbs down didn't do anything else i went in as sit free as i could all i did was move a stand like four feet higher and put another step in and they disappeared so i was like well maybe i won't hunt you know maybe i'll just go down to my daughter's soccer thing and not even <laughs> well wednesday um the week of the season on that wednesday morning it rained and guess what showed up those bucks and i don't know if they were in there because when it rained maybe it leaked some stuff up where there was a mineral lick in there before you know and they wanted to eat that or i don't know you know the acorns are dropping a little bit but they showed up wednesday morning and then thursday morning two of the smaller bucks showed up but they were usually with this bigger buck that i killed i call him he was a slick eight last year. He was just a real pretty wide slick eight pointer, you know, uh-huh. not massive, you know, but just a really good deer for up here, a solid deer, you know. Um, and so I went in there Friday morning. Like I said, I looked at the weather and I was like, man, it's going to rain. And most people would stay at home with the rain we were going to have. And I knew that, you know, it was all working out for me. Like if I didn't kill that buck that morning, then I may not kill him because I'd hunt him, you know, last year a couple of times when I thought I should be able to kill him on the acorns, you know, coming in and he just never showed up. Um, so I looked at the weather and there was kind of a gap there. So I went, I actually got out there early and sat and waited. I was looking at the radar and I was waiting until it kind of slacked off a little bit before I snuck up in there. And as soon as the heavy rain kind of stopped and I had that gap that I, you know, that it showed, I just snuck up in, which was awesome because it, you know, masked my movement. Um, I was able to get up in there quiet. And um, I was getting pictures of these guys like 710, you know, 715 every morning. I've got a covert wireless camera in there. And that's when they would be in there, like 710, 715. And I'm just waiting, right? I got, I actually was set at like 625, I believe. And um, I was self filming at the time too. So whenever, I finally heard something behind me. It was like 725. I think I looked at my watch. It was like 720. I was like, man, these bucks aren't going to come in here. I'm broken <laughs> up again, you know. And, um, you know, I kind of heard something behind me. And I, you know, because I was actually sitting in my cameraman stand instead of the shooter stand I had because it was a little bit up higher and tucked in better. And just I saw movement kind of look down and there was like about 130 inch eight pointer already standing there at 15 yards wow you know they come in on me i couldn't hear anything you know because it was still sprinkling and and stuff and you know water droplets are coming down it was so you know so um 
I knew he was always that buck I shot that the nine point was always with him. And by the time I eased around, because like I said, he was at 15 yards, there was like three other bucks right there. Um, and this nine point was the last one. And when I saw him, I just turned my camera on and was kind of putting it down to eight point. Well, when I saw him, he kind of saw me, but he didn't get freaked out. You know, it wasn't like he threw his head up or anything. I was kind of watching his body and his eyes. His eyes kind of went up at me for a second and was like, you know, what's going on here? And uh, he's sitting there at like 12 yards. So, of course, you know, first deer, first time of the season. I come kind of unglued at that point. I was getting all, I got, I kind of got tore up. I was like, man, you know, and I've passed a lot of deer and seen a lot of deer. And um, I ain't going to say it takes a lot to get me tore up. Cause I always get tore up, but I was really tore up. Like I did, you know, when I first started Velvet. hunting. You know? Velvet, man. And I just, you know, I looked down at this dude and he just looked like a giant, you know, framed to me. And um, so got on him with the camera and, I was afraid to move, you know, because he was doing that little eye look at me. He didn't do the head bob or anything or throw his ears up and, you know, acting like he was going to be silly or anything. But his eyes did go up at me. And I'm like, he kind of saw me there. So I kind of looked down for a second away from him and he started easing up. And I was like, well, he's going to go up there where those other deer are at. And these other deer, Granchy, were like 13, 14, 15 yards, you know, from me. And there was four or five of them down there at this point. Um so he start, kind of started walking up around like he was going to go around them. And I was able to get my camera on him and kind of zoom out and grab my bow. Um, and he gets up there. I guess he was about 20 yards. He went behind some brush and stopped, which is awesome for me because I was able to look at the other deer at that point to see if they were, you know, looking up at me or whatever. And they weren't. So I was able to draw back. And he stepped out, you know, at 20 and when he did, I couldn't get him to, he went, he didn't want to stop. It was like, he was going to move quickly out of there. So I'm, I kind of bad at him. I was like, man, you know, and he jumped forward. I mean, it was just like, you know, he was jumping out of the starting gate or something. I was like, well, this isn't good. You know, all the deer kind of jumped around. Um, I kind of wish I hadn't a bad now, but it's over with. But then he walked up about, 28 yards and stopped and i just ranged that tree you know the tree he was at it was 25 and i was like ah he's like you know it was between 25 and 30 i knew and i just put it on top line and shot and was wild about this is when i shot him he immediately dropped so i so i thought he had a like i spine shot him so he's sitting there kind of kicking a little bit i grabbed another you know black eagle and and put one through the lungs you know he was dead you know it was awesome i'm just like and then i'm sitting there and i'm shaking and you know doing my (sighs) stuff or whatever and i'm like did that just happen so he just dropped him dropped wow hit him right in the shoulder so it went through hit him in the shoulder and went if you could you know i usually shoot deer three inches behind the shoulder and three inches up you know yeah um that's kind of kind of my go-to uh, double lung you know and that's i was aiming kind of right there maybe closer to the shoulder and it went in his shoulder um and hit the offside shoulder and he just boom right down i mean right on video i mean it's awesome you know he's 
He went straight down. He started kind of kicking. I thought, like I said, I thought maybe I'd find him. So I grabbed another arrow. I ranged it real quick. It was actually 28 yards. And, you know, just put another one through. And when I went up there to look at the, uh, you know, the entry holes on both of them, they were like two inches apart. You know, same level, same everything. Um, So I was, you know, you don't... I've done that one other time in a deer in Kentucky that dropped like that. And I thought I was finding him too, but I hit him. It was a high shoulder shot and he did the same thing, but you know, I was actually pretty happy. I didn't have to track him. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right for sure. I did that <laughs> on a doe last year. Yep. Hit yep. in the shoulder and just like her. her, like her front legs were just gone. <laughs> but, <laughs> she just wrote, did a flip. It was done. Like she I mean? couldn't break the arrow and just literally did her front flip. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, so but yeah, man. So he was dead right there, and I was just like, you know, I was kind of, I mean, I was just in awe at that time. You oh, know, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You're an hour in the season, you just got a <laughs> stud down. You're like, what? Just I would do the same thing. Like, that just happened. Like, all the work that you normally put in, like, every season, you're like, man, I just, I just it's shot over. one. You it's know over. what I mean? Like, this is, that is so awesome, man. I th- you know, and it don't happen like that all the time, but when it does, you know. Oh, it's special, yeah, all, no. yeah, yeah. Especially all the time we put in, you know, a lot of guys, you know, my wife knows how much, that nobody probably knows how much time I put into it, but my wife and, you know, a couple of my really good friends. But, you know, I'm one of those guys, it's every week I'm doing something for hunting season, whether it's deer or turkey, you know, that's my passion. So mm-hmm. I'm always doing something. If there's some free time, you know, we're going to do stuff with the kids and we're not going to do it till like 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. You know, You're waking I'm up, up early to get yeah, out I'm there. At like six o'clock and I'm going to a farm, you know, moving something or, or something's bothering me about a certain property and I'm trying to figure out a deer and I want to go check some different areas out to see maybe they're using that or whatever. So, I mean, it's cool. It's really fulfilling, you know, when something like you've worked so hard and then you go in there like that. And I knew, you know, I don't want to say I knew, but I had a pretty good, you know, I knew I had a pretty good opportunity to go in there and kill that buck that morning. You yeah, know? Like, like you said, and with the, the rain, year, I, I mean, right. yeah. you had them pattered on that rain. You knew when that rain came that they were there. Mm-hmm. I bet you when you seen that rain in the forecast, everybody else was <laughs> like, damn. You know, we know a guy in Kentucky that was like, ah, it's supposed to rain. Yeah. Probably won't be moving. But you were like, oh, yeah, this is what I need. So. Yeah, and it, it was funny because we had uh, Ben had started a chat um, kind of on Facebook Messenger. Yep. Um, for some guys, you know, going on the velvet hunt, and a couple of the guys were in there talking or whatever, and I had went on there and um, I was just sharing, you know, the deer, and you know, I was going to hunt that morning, and some guys said, "Or oh, you better have this bulletproof plan," and you know, I just started <laughs> was going on, and you know, I kind of m- removed myself from the the chat at that point just because i you know everybody's different you know what i mean um and sometimes you can learn from folks and and things that they're doing so i was just like i do have a bulletproof plan (laughs) you know i've been watching this dude for you know this is two years now and i've had a camera in there like you guys say i've had a camera in there 365 and i've got a wireless camera in there so and i'm not gonna say that they're an end-all be-all but i will tell you that's one of the biggest tools that i've started using over this last two years and every turkey that i killed this spring except for one 
was because of that cell camera because I knew exactly where to go in the morning, you know, and some people don't like the technology piece of it. I'm a, I'm a realist. I want to use whatever, you know, gives me an advantage. Um, You know, we're not living in the 1600s and running around and, you know, loincloths and little bows and stuff like that. You know, Um, I'm going to take everything I can advantage wise um, that I think that, you know, I can use to help me out. And that cell camera, like every turkey I killed this spring, except, like I said, except for one, I knew where they were going to be at, what time they were going to be there. And it really helped me as an archer, you know, trying to self-film and, you know, kill one with a bow. You know, that cell cam has helped me out a whole lot. Yeah, we run cell cams every year. Uh, we're 100% for them. If I could have 10, if I could afford <laughs> right. 10, I'd have 10. You know what I mean? That's that's the way I look at it. If I if every one of them could be cell cams, it would be they would all be cell. I hear cams. you. I mean, I've got five now, and what I started doing was just I get rid of my older, you know, my cams, and I instead of buying like two regular, two or three regular cameras, I just invest in the cell cam now, mm, yeah. just because. And and I mean, I don't have to justify it by a price or whatever, but I mean, it keeps you from having to put pressure on a place. If nothing else, as a if you're trying to hunt big deer, most people will tell you if you put any pressure on these deer at all, they're gone. Yeah, you know, for sure. Or they're going to be nocturnal. I was saying, especially when you have seen it firsthand, you know, you go in there to cut, you know, a couple limbs and then you don't get anything on cam decent for two weeks. I mean, you're, you're experiencing that firsthand. Well, put it this way. I killed that buck last Friday and I haven't got a picture in that place since. And all I did was I didn't gut him there or anything. I drug him all the way out off this big hill down off the bottom. Right. All I did was climb down on my stand um, I did some video right there of him mm-hmm. and drug him out because I knew I wanted to go in there again and I haven't got a picture yet. I know they're there somewhere. I mean, they've got to be there. And my problem is it's only, it's a small block of timber and I can't go left or right, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I've asked for permission and, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, folks don't want you to hunt and that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, it's their property. They pay for it. So, um, I'm just blessed to have that 30 acres to hunt. It's the way I look at it. Yeah. So, I don't know how many yeah. times me and homie talk about the small properties. You cannot get away with anything. So yeah. it's cool to talk to someone that hunts small property and has kind of the same thing that's going on. Cause it, if we go in on a property and hunt, like there's some stands that you, you got to go in to kill or you're just ruining it. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. And that was one thing I was going to bring up earlier when you were talking about, you know, just trying to learn a property like, you know, it takes time. And that's one thing that Cody and I have done is, you know, kind of learn to run the cams and learn the property because it does take time unless you just go in there literally with a bulletproof plan like you had. So, you know, we are pretty timid until we feel confident in our tactics. And right. the cameras are showing us, you know, what we're think is happening. Like, like you said before, I mean, it takes a, it takes time. And I mean, you can't get a property in the summertime, a new property in the summertime and think you're going to be smart going into the fall because you've never seen it in the fall. You have never mm-hmm. seen it without the leaves on it. You've never seen how the deer, you know, move through it when they're chasing and, 
you know, late winter, their feeding patterns. And to be honest with you, I'm, I mean, I've learned most of my time, you know, about these property or the, mo the most time I use is late winter when the season's over and I use the crap out of my GPS and some of the apps, you know, that are out there now, um, if you have cell service, you know, I walk the crap out of these properties and I take from, you know, I've got a pretty good memory. So, um, you know, I take what I see during the season and then I do it. I mean, I study Google Earth like there's no tomorrow, like most people do now, you know, trying to find areas to key on, you know, for terrain. I, hunt a, I, I, I grew up hunting big woods, so I hunt a lot of terrain, you know, and trying to figure out where pinch points at and, and travel corridors. Um, and I use that. I'll find places. And like I was saying, like on a Saturday morning, I might get up at six and go walk for two hours and I go hit certain spots I want to. And I take a GPS and I mark things the whole time, you know, whether it's rub lines, scrape lines, pinch points. I mark a tree. If I find a tree on one of those spots that I want to hunt, it's a split tree or something. It gives me cover. I mark it and put tree stand. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned that, you know, hunting public property because there's some, you know, hunting military installations because there's some areas, you know, they might only be open, let's say, for two weeks a year. Right. So when you're able to get in there for that two weeks out of the year, you better be, you know, marking all this stuff down and putting it, you know, in your in your uh, kit bag somewhere for later, because you might get to go in there the next year and that tree you marked the year before that had a scrape line on it, you know, or whatever, or a pinch point or something where you saw a buck move through or something you know, you can go in there and hunt that tree and be very successful, you know, and it just kind of increases your odds that way. Um, and I, what I do is I download all that stuff from my GPS to Google earth. And that way I can kind of look at the property as how it lays out and kind of put all that stuff together, you know, um, and kind of let it lay out like a, a book for me or a map, you know, that has all this stuff on it now uh, based off what I saw. So it's helped out, you know, technologies but you know helped us out a whole lot i think as hunters yeah one thing i've kind of learned here the last three years is i kind of started hunting a new spot on my property and i've learned that the crop rotation has kind of dictated the buck movement you know whether it's corn or beans and you know two years ago it was beans and the middle of October to, you know, the, the pre-rut was really good there for daylight morning activity. And then, you know, you get all the pictures and the historical data, and then you try to put a game plan for the next year, but then it's corn. And right. I didn't have the same activity that I did. So it'll be interesting this year to see what the cameras show as far as, you know, from this year to, you know, two years ago and be able to match up, you know, if it is the crop rotation that you got a game plan on. Oh, yeah. It's the same way with big woods because, like, some years you'll have a good acorn crop and the next year you won't and the deer on grass and stuff. So, you know, as hunters, we've got to be able to to see that and and make a movement pretty quick if we want to be successful yeah because i i was game planning on like you know not hunting there until the rut and then <clears throat> that first year i got all them pictures i'm like well i know i know this spot's gonna be good in the rut because it's right, right. It's right off doe bedding and i was like you know the pictures last year showed from october 12th or 15th 
you know, through Halloween, it you could go in there and there was bucks in daylight. And then, you know, last year I didn't have anything wow. really in daylight in the morning. So, you know, the does are still bedding there. I got plenty of does, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be right. there. So, um, I just wonder if it was the crop rotation or if, you know, I didn't really take note of how late the beans turned the year before when it was beans. Um, that's something I'm definitely paying attention to this year though. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. Did, have y'all noticed that's one thing I was going to ask you, cause you said like the bucks weren't there earlier this past last year. Yeah. When it was corn. Um, so did, did y'all have like a late fawn crop this year? Have you noticed that? Uh, like we had like fawns born like in July here. And I was always curious to see why, if they rutted so late, like all my buddies are saying that, you know, from Kentucky to down here or whatever. And I was wondering if there was something to that, you know, maybe it was pushed, you know, the, the rut come in later. Maybe the bucks didn't pre-rut as early as they did or what. I don't know. Yeah. So I always try to figure that out, you know, so I'll just speak for kind of what I experienced and, and Cody, you can elaborate if you, if you want to, but from what I experienced, I don't, I don't know when the fawns dropped, but I noticed a lot of does with fawns when it should have been like peak rut and no does really seemed responsive to buck activity. Um, I didn't see does really visiting scrapes when they normally have on trail cam. And um, the rut here was just total garbage. Like, you right. know, that first two weeks of, of November, I, it was really garbage. And even during shotgun, I mean, we're talking the week, the weekend before Thanksgiving, still had fawns with does and bucks literally just out cruising by themselves, not bumping does. I didn't, I don't, I'm not even sure if I seen a buck bump a doe last year, which just blows my mind now that I say that, you know. Right. But the the rut here last year, for me, from what I experienced, garbage. Well, well hopefully it's better this year. I noticed a really big, uh, I have noticed a lot of fawns on cam this year that look a lot smaller. Um, right. so I'm kind of with you, um, what I did notice on where I hunt was like the November 3rd, 4th, 5th, I had a really big peak, which is like normal, you know, like you, you're thinking, okay, yeah, this is, this is good. We had bucks fighting on cam, <clears throat> bucks right, chasing right. does. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know who predicted it, but I wish I knew their name, but they predicted a trickle rut and, yeah, right. uh, that's that's exactly what we've seen. We've seen really good days. So it would have been, what day did you hunt? November 9th. November 9th. So from the 3rd to the 9th, we hunted pretty hard. Nothing. The 9th was one of those days. Was incredible. Um, then from the 15th through shotgun season, mm-hmm. I think is when it really picked up. When a lot of people already burned their vocation, you know. Right, and right. uh so, so two weeks later, you know, two weeks of what people think should be prime. You had a few good days in there. Um, and that was what was, like most people would say, well, that's probably when the good weather day was. But we had really good weather this year. We had good yeah, weather in it October. Was, it was chilly. We had good weather in November. I mean, we had good weather. It was a really good weather year for deer movement. It was chilly early and often. Yeah, but the the rut movement wasn't there. So I agree with you. I think it was a touch later. Um, and that's one thing that we have learned through this podcast was they say that does 
go within the first few days or within the same days. That's why like you, they get the bucks on cam within a few days, but you also got to think about them yearling fawns that drop late. So you have to expect that second rut, you know, after Thanksgiving. And that's when me and homie have always seen the biggest bucks on our property in daylight, like year after year running cams that, that weekend of Thanksgiving is so good, and everybody thinks, "Oh, it's trash." Firearms been in, yeah, yeah, yeah. shotguns been in. Don't even, you know, might as well not even go. But uh, the biggest bucks we've had from, I'm talking from, you know, one high one ninety class deer, daylighting in the morning on yearling does. Every one of them trail cam picture on yearling doe. I shot and lost a buck on a yearling doe. Next year trail cam picture same buck within two days on a yearling doe that weekend. So. That might get pushed like, back a little bit yeah. this year. Sounds like you need to be in the woods at that point. Every every yeah. time I am, <laughs> right. man. Thanksgiving break, yeah. we always get a few days off, and right. everybody's like, "What are you still doing out there?" I'm like, <laughs> "It's like noon, man. I ain't going nowhere. You know, I'm I'm in." And people are like, "Shotgun season's been here. You ain't gonna see nothing." And then, you know, I'm I think sh- I think it's something you have to experience yourself yeah. in order to actually believe that the second rut is actually a thing and it goes it goes down mm-hmm. at that time you know what i mean i feel like it's selective i feel like you're not like people don't see the three and a half year olds running hard right right because they're like wow it's over but then those giants they know they're like yeah. oh no they're i've been like, watching this doe <laughs> yeah for they're a like couple i missed months. out on it last year i'm four and a half five and a half yeah. now i know I i've know been, the I've still been watching this doe for a couple months and she's <laughs> gonna be prime in a few days you know what i mean so but um uh, i agree with you 100 percent. i think this year i think around like second shotgun season for us and i also think like i know it they say, well, you got the you got the period that a doe is going to be pregnant, but we had a really hard winter here. I don't oh, know how yeah. it was for Super you guys, hard. but I feel like those does being stressed might have made them hold that doe a little longer because hold that fawn, yeah, hold the fawn fawn a little longer because the fawn wasn't growing as fast. You know what I mean? Because they were struggling so much for for nutrients, and I was really worried about the number of fawns this year, but the trail cam picks it picks up a lot. We there's still a lot of fawns, so that just goes to show these things can survive through. I was gonna say, yeah, Aaron. I mean, yeah. you're in Tennessee. You guys are able to, you know, provide nutrition, mineral um, up here. We can man. put mineral out, but we can't. We can't do anything else. I mean, I guess you can. You can put bait out, um, but you can't hunt over it. I guess it's got to be like 250 yards from mm-hmm. where you hunt or something like that. Um, but um, like for me up here, all I do is put mineral out and it, the mineral can't be flavored or have any type of like food substance in it. I think it's the way the law is written. Um, and I know you guys, you can't put anything out. No. Right? So, I mean, we had days, it was negative 40, like actual temperature with wind chill, you know, negative 50 and Cody and I are just sitting here looking at each other like, we can't do a damn thing about it. And uh, I mean, you know, I we just wish at least out of season, just like, you know, kind of what you guys have, you know, you can't hunt over it directly, but you can, you know, be within a certain area. But, you know, even if we had from, you know, February 1st to September 30th, or, you know, if they wanted to cut it off September 1st, you know, a month, a month before our season comes in, like that would be greatly appreciated because, 
we feel like we could, you know, contribute to the deer herd to provide them with stuff that they don't have. Like, the only thing they have here in January is, like, tree bark. Yeah, I don't know how <laughs> to survive. You know, there was well, literally yeah. six inches of frozen snow <laughs> on the ground for a month this Dude, year. it was bad. Hey, they must do pretty well. Y'all got some big deer out there. So I don't, I don't something know. something to be yeah. said for it, you know. Yeah, they, they are incredible animals up here. They survived last winter, and what was really... Like me and homie were really scared about. We were worried about like how many inches are these deer going to be putting on? Yeah, you know I mean, but as of right now, so far it's been it's been decent. really good. Like <laughs> the deer have blown. Well, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so it it just blows my mind that you know we get a deer on trail cam that we had last year, and to just think about that deer has been outside every night, every day through the winter. And he made it, and he didn't die. And, and he put he on found, 40 inches. He found something <laughs> to eat, you know, and, yeah, like Cody said, he put on 40 inches. I mean, it's just, it kind of gives me chills when I see yeah. a trail camp picture. I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognize that deer. That deer was hey, out there every time. Uh-huh. If you had to hustle for food, too, you'd do what you got to do. I was say, I'd probably yeah. find some food. You'd be finding chicken strips like a mug, bro. It wouldn't be no damn tree bark. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh, man. What do you got? You got any notes over there? Still? Yeah, I got a little bit. Okay. Um, so with this buck being full velvet, uh, d- did you have you taken a full velvet buck before this one? So I did. I took one in Kentucky. I mean, it's good night. It's probably been like 1990-something or 2000 or something. Not not to this caliber. He was a, he was a little bit smaller deer. Um, probably by about 50 inches, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have shot one before now this, buck, he was, uh, he was basically hard horned. Um, I had done some research, um, before, you know, hunting on how to kind of prepare it, you know, if you need it for the taxidermist. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went up to him, you know, I was afraid I was going to grab his, you know, antlers and it'd be mushy or whatever, but honestly, it was really hard. Like he was hard horned. And if you could, if you could take a, you know, a, a buck you've already got mounted and just grab, you know, some just, you know, felt that people use for crafts or whatever. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Like you put that felt and glued it on top of a horn. Like it was not mushy at all. It was hard horn. Um, I think, you know, it's not going to be too long and he would have been coming out. So, that's, are you are you thinking within a couple of days or? Well, I don't know that because I'm still getting pictures of a lot of deer in velvet. I'm gonna say and, just because I mean, that I Kentucky season kind of fluctuates, you know. Yeah, um, well, I'm the Tennessee. So I've got a. It's odd you say that. I've got a friend in Virginia. It's about two hours away from me, and he's got his target buck on his farm is already out, and he's been out for like ten days now. Man, it's crazy. crazy, you know. Um, he sent me a picture a week and a half ago, basically said, I think he's out. And I'm like, man, there's no way this dude's already <laughs> out of velvet. And he's been sending me picture after picture, you know, well, the day he came out or was coming out of it, um, the buck kind of disappeared for like a week. And then, I mean, he's hard horn. It's like, wow. Um, so, you know, I hope they're not that far along. I know they are right now because I'm going to Kentucky you know, next weekend, mm. and I really, I'm afraid that. Man, I know, hope you crush but, another velvet stud like within two <laughs> hours. God, that'd be I mean, epic. I, 
I don't want to show any pictures yet, but um, I'm hunting with some friends uh, through the military. He's actually uh, a veteran too that lives up there, and they've got an outfit and business um, now that they started last year. And I tell you what, they've got some big deer, and um, I, nothing like you have. You know, when you're talking 190s and stuff um, that I've seen. I mean, they're there probably. But when I say a big deer for me is, you know, anything over like 140 something, 150 to me is a big deer. Just oh, yeah. Because I oh, don't yeah. have those deer. <laughs> I'm all in on 140, <laughs> 150. I'm still yeah. there. You I put mean, full velvet on him. Look out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the places I hunt, we just don't have those deer. You know what I mean? So I have to hunt what's here. But like I said, up there, if, if I shoot one and I text you all Saturday, it's going to be one of the two deer I'm on right now is like one of them's like a mainframe, almost 150 type eight point. Jeez. He's a giant. And then the, there's a 10 point that's running with him. That's probably sixties, maybe 70. I mean, it's hard, you know, looking at trail cameras, no, it's you don't hard know if you get them too, off the ground, you, you, you know, know, in velvet. But they're yeah. ma- both of them are massive. But you should I definitely mean, text us if that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it don't happen you, or, or happens, just go ahead and send us a text. Yeah, I mean they uh, the weather's lining up for it. I'm gonna be honest with you, and it's uh, it's looking pretty good. And they they keep showing up in daylight. Oh god. So um, and they're good. I mean these guys that I'm hunting with, um, it's called Bluegrass Whitetail Outfitter. It's uh, Mitch Jackson and Adam O'Brien. Adam was in the military with me. And Adam is probably – there's a couple guys I hunted with, you know, throughout my career, you know, in the Army. I I met some – the cool thing about the Army is I got to meet all kinds of people, right? And as a hunter, I got to be around all kinds of hunters, and especially good hunters that hunted public land. So I learned a lot. Like, I cut my teeth in hunting – off of other people and you know you meet people from all over like illinois iowa pennsylvania you know down south so all these people that hunt different ways and techniques you know you kind of learn from them you know so you learn a lot and adam was one of those guys he grew up there in kentucky and he's killed some giant deer on fort camp or um fort knox fort knox is a really good place to hunt by the way but um for public land deer and um so they started this business up up there and invited me up and i went up there i hunted with them last year and i passed up like a mid 130s 148 pointer in velvet Mm. and i passed him because it was on um mitch he's one of the owners it was on his personal farm and i was in there after a 10 point um and he said they told me I could kill what I wanted to, right? These are just good guys. They're like, hey, you go in there and you kill what makes you happy. You know, they just want to be, see people be successful. And they couldn't believe that I passed this buck up because he is he is a really nice buck. And, uh, and I was like, I can't do that. You know, I'm on your personal farm. You know, if it's a three-year-old eight-pointer, I wouldn't shoot it on my own farm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure as heck not shooting it on your farm. And, uh, so, you know, I went home without a deer from their property, but they told me I could come back, but, you know, I'd end up killing a deer on one of my places later on in the year. Cause with one of my buddies, um, that was having some medical concerns and I wanted to hunt with, and I ended up shooting a deer down there. But, uh, but this year 
they invited me back um and i'm gonna be you know filming for the show and stuff but uh these deer that they have are just i mean and they don't have like it's not like i'm getting pictures of a couple you know what i mean like i left a couple of my cell cameras up there and it's like five and six shooter bucks coming in at different places and i'm like are you kidding me right now Jeez, so to be awesome. honest with you i was more excited about going up there hunting in this tennessee velvet thing just because i've been getting all these other bigger deer and i just didn't know if this would work out you know in the tennessee velvet so i'm really pumped up right now i'm actually down in my little man cave making sure all my stuff's perfect yeah <laughs> nice and here here we are you know what eight days from the opener and i'm like a kid at christmas right now because oh, i just yeah. can't wait to get up there so man you're, you're stacking up for an epic year yeah. right now so i mean like yeah you know you never know it happens every once in a while yeah you know oh yeah you could have you could go on a streak like that a few years ago i went on one and i killed uh on public land and i killed a like a 149 and then a 153 just gnarly buck a week later during the shotgun season it was like back to back Damn, and i was yeah. videoing with one of my buddies it was wild because we hunted like five or six days together videoing and it was just the perfect time in the rut we're talking about the rut the first morning he shoots a 145.9 right three days later i called in this you know 140 top nine point um with the can call on the ground he comes walking right to the tree you know who does that and shoots it at 20 yards you know what <laughs> i mean and then the next weekend, the shotgun season comes in. I shoot this one fifty three, and it's all public land. You know, it's just like, you know, sometimes Epic. you're blessed and stuff <laughs> happens. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Sometimes you but, just uh, you're, you got the spot, man. You got the spot that year. I've been there where I've told homie, I'm like, I just hit my ninth buck of the day. You know, what I mean, it's just like you're well, in, yeah. you're in the spot. You know, three of them might have been shooters, but uh, I think I think. You know, you said we don't have the you don't have the one ninety class deer, but I've been hunting, I don't know, but twenty or eighteen years or so. I've seen two one ninety class. I don't know, you which don't know this shit, which, which is you know is crazy for some people, but <clears throat> you gotta think twenty years. And I I'm just like yeah. you, I'm like I'm in it, like hours in stand. It's I'm up there, you know. I I don't mess around. I put time in, but uh. You've been talking a lot about your film, so I want you to give a solid shout out to where people could find your film. For one, I want to watch your Velvet Hunt, and for two, I know everybody else listens and wants to watch it. So, so of course, I'm I'm with Hicks Squad Outdoors with Tim Sylvia. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, our videography airs on the Sportsman's Channel, and it's on the first and second quarter. And then we're also on uh, Wild. Um, I think it's wild outdoor tv canada it's actually 365 there and it's also on roku roku and youtube uh, my velvet uh, will be airing next year because we film a year out mm -hmm. um, because we just sent our we just sent all our videography in that will air in the first and second quarter of this year so it, it you won't even see it for a year unfortunately unless tim says hey send it in um but um so yeah man we've been we stay after it tim's awesome you know for for those of you that don't know tim you know tim's a former ufc heavyweight champion just awesome proponent for the outdoors big buck hunter in iowa illinois you know missouri anywhere he can go 
he's just a great guy. You know, like I said, I met him um, as a veteran and he wanted to do things for us and um, he still does. And, and we really appreciate that. So, yeah, that's awesome. I've watched hits quite, quite a bit on YouTube. Real good content. I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting a year. Oh, yeah. I'll be like, I know that guy. I know that. <laughs> I heard that story already. You, you should have saw some of the buck cons. I had some buck cons this past year on there in Turkey. Um, and then this year, so in first and second quarter of this year, I think I submitted five turkey kills, and then I killed a 140. I think he was 144 and some change last year in the bow hunting league. I shot him in Kentucky and uh, with my bow September, I want to say it was like September 28th or 18th or something like that. It was real early. You're going to have Again, 300 I, inches down before I even start. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so dude had, I mean, again, I had a buck on cell camera. Without that cell camera, especially being five hours away. Yeah. You know, fortunately, I had a buddy um, that lives about an hour away down there and there's a little feed mill there. I get a special blend of, you know, feed made up because you can bait in Kentucky. Mm. Um, and he would, you know, I'd go set it up and everything, um, you know, a month out or whatever. And I would just have him go in at different times to feed for me to keep them in there nice. and just, just keep the cell cam going. Now this year I haven't done it. I did go set it up um, a couple weeks ago when I went up to my buddy's place at Bluegrass but the guys in bluegrass, instead of, you know, kind of um, allowing us to come up and just hunt a weekend, they're going to allow us to keep coming up, you know, until we kill oh, something yeah. with Man. them. So, yeah, that's it. Which I think, is, I think that's a lot better, you know, for everybody. So, and I want to help them out. I love those guys, you know, so it's it's pretty cool to be able to do that so could you imagine be like hey babe i'm just gonna go check cams <laughs> five hour drive one yeah. way <laughs> yeah. well you know i have to do and my wife she'll tell you you know i would do i didn't do that but um you know when season came in usually like for something like that so five hours away what i do is um i would i had food plots there um and i always put something out that's really easily to manage like clover mm -hmm. um so i would go frost seed to clover you know february march and then i'm back during turkey season you know two months later to check it out you know yep. and then i could have my buddy go out and mow it you know and the landowners are pretty cool on that piece of property because the food plots i went in and i did a bunch of work for them and they were very thankful for it so if i wasn't there and it needed to be mowed or whatever they'll mow it for me which is pretty awesome oh, yeah that's pretty solid <laughs> so i mean but you know it's they they see that i'm trying to improve their property and the things that i've done for them you know so it's it's been a pretty awesome relationship for me you know they've been really good have become great friends of mine and uh so i mean i've been lucky i've killed on their property I killed two bucks um, there. My son killed a really nice buck on another piece, and Tim killed one. I invited Tim down a couple years ago, and he shot one um, that had just come out of velvet. He's wanting a velvet buck so bad. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, this buck had just come out. It was it, it was a good hunt, though. So Yeah, that's one thing we've noticed is, like, I mean, if you can find the right landowner, they don't really expect a lot. And, you know, oftentimes when you 
would go to offer, you know, to repair a fence or, you know, Cody's maintaining a bird colony from Mexico. Uh, you know, I mean, they're just kind of, you know, blown away that somebody will do this stuff like that to hunt their their property. And, you know, more oftentimes than not, you as a hunter are more than willing to do that work. So it just starts with a conversation and you having the courage to go up and knock on their door. And then, you know, who knows where it's going to go from there. But, right. you know, just something as simple as, you know, giving them a, a weekend of work to help repair the fence that, you know, their nephew said they were going to do and never did because he never showed up. And then they're like, well, I got this fence out back. You know, if if we can get it back up and going, you know, I'll let you hunt out here. And next thing you know, you got 80 acres and it's all right. yours for just, and, you know, a weekend. Right. And I do this. I mean, I've kind of always done that. The first place I had in Kentucky, I worked, I had to, you know, I didn't have to, but I worked in tobacco for the guy. You know, I grew up on a dairy farm and tobacco and stuff like that. So to me, that was easy. I worked for like four hours for the guy to have a 300 and some acre lease. Yeah, And I was that's... like, this is all I got to do. And I've always been taught, you know, to improve the property. Right. Um, and I do a lot of stuff on my own. I'll go out and mow people's places and just, you know, I'll spray certain things. And I don't get too crazy without the landowner knowing about it, you know, because you don't want to frustrate people. But like you said, um, you know, if you're doing stuff without being asked to do it, it goes a long way. And then that goes a long way with anybody, you know, if, at your place, you know, at your home, if somebody was doing something for you, um, you know, you're more apt to help them out than not. And yeah, people yeah. are the one thing I've noticed now about landowners is the liability piece. It's not that people don't want you to hunt as much as they've heard so much through um, the grapevine of somebody being sued and people are so afraid to lose everything they worked for their whole life. And I mean, you can't blame them for that. You know, no. if, if you work your whole life to pay off your home and, you know, a hundred acres and then you hear that, you know, somebody falling out of a tree stand could sue you and take it all away from you. You know, they're, they don't want to do it. And I'll be honest, the place I got, the place I killed that buck on, when I was talking to the gentleman, he was on the fence about letting me hunt. And in my truck, I always keep one of my buddies on the team as a, uh, as a lawyer. And he had showed me um, a place that you could download these kind of vague liability release waivers and stuff. And I kind of manipulated one, um, you know, took it down and kind of put my name in it and stuff. And I say manipulate it. I kept it together and I keep them in my truck. And if I can ask people to hunt and they're kind of on the fence about liability, I'll say, hey, I, I mean, I always sign a liability waiver. I want you to feel comfortable, you know, that I'm on here, that there's nothing going to happen, you know, whatever. And I always give them that liability waiver and sign it and give it to them. And with that guy, it actually, he was so happy. Like it relieved everything off, you know, from him. And he's like, yeah, you can go hunt. And he gave me written permission right then, you know, mm -hmm. and I keep a little Tennessee, Tennessee has this cool printout for, uh, you know, written permission that where you keep a, a piece of it and a landowner keeps a piece. And I usually keep, you know, five or 10 of those in my truck. So if I'm out and I go ask people to hunt, you know, kind of helps out that way too. Yeah, for sure. I would say, and, that, and that's something that Cody had to have, you know, to be a part of the lease is actually um, an insurance policy on himself in order to, right. to, to get permission. And that's something that I've 
also adapted to to you know my insurance payment a month and let me tell you what you know i'm paying it and you know it's just extra backup you know just to right. go along with you know what you're saying with an insurance policy is be like all right you know <clears throat> liability it's not you and i have insurance on myself as the hunter and you know a person that you know we can't take anything that you have it's going to be all on me and you know i pay for this a month for my you know my insurance right it's sad though that we've had to go that far. Yeah, you know, some like, whoever ruined it for us is. Out I would there, say somebody, but... <laughs> somebody did something. Yeah, but yeah, that's so sad. Yeah, it is. Was there well, anything else y'all want to talk about, fellas? Well, no, we don't want to take up your whole night, man. We oh, appreciate you're fine. you. I mean, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, we, we appreciate you coming on and uh, spending some time with us. Uh, epic that you already got 150 plus down and just starting. One, yeah, 150. Well, he down. was 147 and two eights. Oh, so it's one it round up, round up. I would love, <laughs> yeah, love no. 150. You know. But, uh, I was so, talking yeah. about your next buck in eight days. Yeah, uh, right. Was, well, we hope so. Yeah, so. <laughs> hope so. Yeah, make sure and keep us up to date on that. Message us anytime and uh, let us know. Yeah, sure will. And then y'all have a good luck this year. Uh, when you started saying 190s, you had me like, wow. <laughs> you know, I would love to see a deer over 160, you know, 170, because it's they're just few and far between. People think that they're, you know, they see stuff on social media, and they're like, oh, man, those deer are everywhere. No. I'd like to know where they're seeing them at. You got to find I the properties. Over, you know, and it's just, and I've seen in the woods, I've probably seen two deer in my life maybe three that are over 160 and I've killed some really big deer and that I think are big, you know, in the one fifties mm -hmm. and I've been hunting, you know, you said you've been hunting about 18 years or something, you know? So I've been hunting since I was like 12 years old, you know, I've been really getting after it since I've been in my twenties and kind of learned, you know, more about, you know, how to get after some of these big deer, public land deer and stuff. And I mean, that's what, 20 some years and not, they just, you don't see them, you know? Um, so that's pretty awesome that y'all have that type of deer where you're at. Y'all should feel blessed. I'll tell oh, you we that. are. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're very you know, blessed. I'll tell you, know, you what, was, it, it comes down to finding the property that they're on for one and then not scaring them off for right. two. But, uh, yeah, I have been, I have. I've been very blessed in the time that I have hunted to kill the deer that I have. And since I've been like seriously hardcore into deer bow hunting, um, I mean, I live in a good area. I'd say that all the time. Yeah. I don't credit myself as being a good hunter. You get ever. more credit to the property. I give more credit to the area that I'm hunting. The only credit that I will give myself is finding the area that I'm hunting. Yeah. Right. And, well, I mean, you still yeah. got to get them killed. I mean, just because they're there don't mean that you're going to, you know, that's the that's the other part. You know, you got to put yourself where they're at. Yeah. So you still got to, you got, especially bow hunting, you know, you got to get them in range. And it's not easy. So hats off to you for being able to do that. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm not, I'm still, I'm still an amateur, man. I got a lot to learn. I say, we're still shooting 140s with a bow. Yeah, I'm <laughs> shooting 140s. Uh, 150 all happy. day. I'll so. be happy with that all day, every day. All right, man. That was a good early season episode. Something that we don't get to do. Really cool to listen to how he got it done. Um, and it just blows my mind that he already has a buck down. Dude, like, just just the, the the thought of having a buck down, like, Doug, 
I mean, one, the confidence factor. Mm -hmm. Like, you know when a dough comes in, you're just going to be money. You know what I mean? Like, that's my biggest thing is just like being money on the first shot. Yeah, your confidence is boosted way up there. You're feeling good. Already got got some horn on the ground, and now you're... Now you're like the pressure's off, and, like already added to the wall, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. not that it's all about that, but... Made some memories just, for the year. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you're, and you're going like on. Like, that's my time stamp, you yeah. know? All right, get out there, try to leave a legacy, and wipe the legacies out.